It's so good to have you here this morning. My name is Chris. I'm one of the elders and also one of the pastors here at the church. And we are a spiritual family. We're grateful that you're here. I got to meet Tony just a minute ago. So good to have him. We'll be praying for you, Tony. And many others that the Lord brings our way. We're always grateful when we have newcomers that show up. Um, Grateful for all of our missionaries that Wade prayed for. We have so many. Anna in Lebanon. I was thinking of her this morning, too. And uh, and, and others in Central America, in Africa, um, uh, in Asia. Uh, we have dear friends that are in Singapore that do a great work there too. And so I'm very grateful for a church our size. We get, to, uh, we get to support a lot of missionaries around the world. In fact, almost 20% of our income goes to works that are outside of us. Uh, we sow into Brother Yao's work in Ghana. Uh, on a monthly basis, we, we're able to give as God has given to us. And I honestly believe that it's one of the most important things we do as a church family is to support the work of his kingdom that is going around the world. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And that is a part of it. Uh, we don't absolve ourselves of our responsibility to do the same when we write a check. But writing a check is a good f- first place to start. So a little advertisement for that. Uh, It was probably the most controversial $7 million ad in this year's Super Bowl. Maybe you saw it. In case you didn't, here it is. There's a whole host of controversy around that ad, even among Christians. A lot of people felt there was a better use of $7 million. Others felt the message could have been clear, like it was in last year's ad that the same group did entitled Love Your Enemies. I actually like that one probably a little better. Um, A lot of social media chatter wondered if Jesus had a foot fetish. (laughs) You can laugh. He did not. Let me just be clear. I have my own opinions about all this, and I I have certainly applauded what they're trying to do. The owner of Hobby Lobby is a big funder of this group, as are many other Christians in our nation. And I have read a lot of their materials and been actually, I've met one of their leaders before and a group of church leaders here in our city. And I I applaud what they're trying to do uh, in many ways. But I also wonder if it might help expanding their statement from he gets us to do we get him? Because the gospel is not just about him identifying with us. It is else recognizing there is no way that we can get to him apart from what he does. 
Jamie Bambrick is a pastor in Northern Ireland, and almost immediately after this commercial was uh, showed on the, on the Super Bowl and social media blew up, uh, he created a similar ad that he said would have been better. He wrote on X, whilst perhaps well-intentioned, sounds like in Northern, Northern Ireland, uh, they failed to convey anything of the gospel to the hundreds of millions who saw it. So here's his ad that's gone viral. like that one, I guess. See, now I've started a controversy in our church. <laughs> I am good at that. You're right, Donna. Thank you. <laughs> um, let's go back to the original ad. Uh, and their explanation of it on the He Gets Us website. They write, as we explored creative ideas, we recalled the story of Jesus washing his disciples' feet and realized this was the perfect example of how we should treat one another, even those people with whom we don't see eye to eye. Jesus had washed Peter's feet, a loyal friend who publicly, would publicly deny that he knew Jesus later that very night. And even more astoundingly, Jesus washed Judas Iscariot's feet the one who would betray him for 30 pieces of silver. I kind of agree. I see their point. Now, if I had $7 million to spend, I think I would use some of it to build a school building for the Gwinnett Global School. And I think I would increase some support to our missionaries that we support around the world and make sure that Boy With A Ball gets funded so we can have 30 teams by the year 2030. And I would want to sow into our community in ways that would show them that we'd like to wash their feet. Uh, and I might even spend for a 30 second ad from that second clip maybe, but I appreciate what they're trying to do. And the message of washing feet is certainly something Jesus wants us to hear and it is something that he wants us to obey. Let's read how it happened from John's gospel. John 13, 2. During supper, this is an amazing thing. Listen to this. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, Jesus, knowing all of that, he then rose from supper, he laid aside his outer garments, 
and taking a towel, tied it around his waist, and then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Then in verse 12, when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also, say that, you also, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. We don't really wash each other's feet these days, uh, for which I'm glad. Not that I would have a problem washing someone's feet. I wouldn't want somebody to wash mine. Uh, my daughter Grace thinks feet are nasty, and I tend to agree with her. Um, we don't wash people's feet, uh, maybe in a religious ceremony. I've, I've seen them in weddings, which is no offense. Never mind, I better not give an opinion about that. <laughs> Seems like a unity candle is so much easier. But... <clears throat> <clears throat> But um, you can imagine that foot washing required humility on the part of both parties. Um, the one washing the feet and the one also letting their feet be washed. No wonder Peter said, no, don't do dare. Don't, don't touch them. By washing their feet, though, Jesus was shredding the idea of rank and position among us. And if our master, Jesus, would lower himself and kneel before each of us and wash our grimy feet. How much more should we as his students do the same? And this sort of thing has, was not an outlier for Jesus. This is the kind of thing he did throughout his whole earthly life. This is the kind of thing that he did throughout his ministry. He was always putting others first and putting himself last and telling us to do the same thing. He said to his disciples, the greatest among you shall be your servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. And, and Jesus practiced what he preached. He, he did not come to be served, but to serve. He submitted to the Father he did not grasp for his privilege, but he stepped down and took on the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, humbling himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. Oh, what a savior. What a savior he is. No other religion teaches that God who would create and sustain us would also come and sacrifice himself die for us that we might be saved. Only the gospel of the kingdom that professes Jesus as a Lord preaches that kind of message. As Alistair Begg says, Jesus made himself insignificant by addition, not by subtraction. 
The incarnation is not God minus, but God plus. He made himself insignificant by taking the form of a servant. Made himself nothing by taking on something. And it's why Jesus could say things like, I have come from heaven, but I do not do my own will, but the will of the one who sent me. And then he could also say things like, the words I speak, they're not my own. I only speak the words the Father gave me to speak. He was so fully submitted in all that he did, humbling himself in every endeavor, that he showed us truly what servant leadership is all about. In everything, he was fully submitted to the Father. And in so doing, he shattered for us the cultural attitudes around power and control. He, he decimated the idea of ascending to position and power. He valued all people, especially the poor and, the, and women and children, something that just wasn't done in his day. And he showed what true leadership is all about, that it's, it's not revealed in craving and clinging to power, but in submitting to the one who is faithful. And his example is why Paul wrote to the Ephesians, this from Ephesians 5.15. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Time to take your pill. Uh, or whatever that was. Just joking. Singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Can I just say to you that submission is not a real popular word in our popular culture today. It's not something that people uh, promote a whole lot. Submission is looked down upon. Um, Self-realization, now that's something looked upon with high esteem, but submitting to another, nah, just not the thing you want to talk a lot about these days. Not the thing that you want to promote a whole lot. And probably because of that, it's what makes submission one of the most revolutionary things that you and I will ever call, be called to do. To submit to Christ and then to submit one to another is radically different from the world that we live in. Do you agree? It's so different. Paul goes on in the book of Ephesians and then it's also in other places by Peter and Paul's writing where he gives what they call house rules or a code of conduct where it has to do with marriage and family and workplace environment and how we are to submit ourselves in those environments. 
and how we are to self-sacrifice, that we are to lay down our lives for another, that we're not to provoke our children, we're actually to raise them in the fear and admonition of the Lord. We're not to lord over those that are, might be under us. We're to value and appreciate, but also to submit to one another. It's radical. It's not promoted this day, and it wasn't promoted in his day. Submission is the very lens by which we see the gospel because Jesus himself was one of full submission to the Father. He modeled it for us. He is our example. We've been talking about being students of the master and to be a student of the master, we must be with the master. We must become like the master and we must do what the master did. That's what makes us students. If we're not being with him and becoming like him and then doing what he did, then we're not students of the master. Call yourself a Christian, call yourself whatever, but it takes those things in our lives to make us true disciples of Jesus. There is no other way around that. He didn't say, go and make participants in church. He didn't say, go and make spectators in a stand. He didn't say, go and make people that are good and moral. He said, go and make disciples of all nations. And if you're a disciple and you're making disciples, then you need to be with him and become like him and do what he did. I got excited there, didn't I? No one comes to Jesus with rights. The only way to enter is flat on your face. If we grasp our right of self-determination, we reject Jesus because he calls us to submit to him completely. And then to test that submission to him by submitting to one another. Now you might be thinking, I got the submission to him okay, but look around the room. Do you mean I have to submit to some of these people? I know, I'm thinking the same thing. And I'm probably looking at me. I can't believe that someone would submit to me. We're so out of whack when it comes to the idea of submission. That, that really kind of irks us. It, it provokes us. We feel a little bit, wait a minute, my rights. Don't you dare step on those. But we don't come to Jesus with rights. We come to Jesus in humility and he lifts us up. This kind of thinking is revolutionary. Now, we, we prefer the kind of revolution that wins our freedom from oppressive authority. Like when we threw off that British monarch a few hundred years ago. We like that. Give me life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness. We like that stuff. Or, or we might be the ones who like to overturn these social norms that we have in the name of justice and liberty and diversity and equality. We might think that's our role to throw it off because we need to all be on equal footing. And it's kind of understandable why these notions rise in our thinking, why we give ourselves to them sometimes, because quite frankly, authoritarianism has done a lot of damage in history. It's done a lot of damage throughout history. Authoritarian leaders are typically not motivated for the best reason. It's the root of many problems in our world of pecking orders. One pastor, Lionel Windsor, writes, order and authority often lead to pride and oppression. 
Those people further up the chain can easily despise and dominate those further down the chain. And this is terribly unjust, and it happens all the time. This is why it seems natural that the best way to fix the problem is through social revolutions, overturning the order and insisting on putting everyone on the same level no matter how much blood is spilt in the process. But Jesus teaches a different way. Jesus teaches a different revolutionary gospel. It's the way of his kingdom. I like to call it the upside down, inside out way of the kingdom. It's not the way we would see it. The truth is, this is not upside down. We're upside down. The way he does it is right side up. But for us to understand, it's not the way of the world. It's a different kind of way. And it doesn't work from the outside working its way into us. No, we are transformed on the inside and it begins working its way out in us. The way we live, the way we move, the way we pray, the way we love people. It starts working into us and we become more and more like him because we've been with him and we're wanting to do what he did. Jesus teaches a different and more revolutionary gospel. It's the way of his kingdom. It's a radical new life found in Christ Jesus, which starts when Jesus died for us on the cross and was raised for us from the dead. Paul writes about it in Ephesians 2, just a couple of chapters earlier from where we read. But God, being rich in mercy... Because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Do you, do you get that phrase, with him? You see it this twice there in that last verse. Raised us up with him and he has seated us with him. I love that phrase. We are with him. Everyone who is in Christ Jesus is with him. Raised up with him, seated with him, forever with him. He never leaves nor forsakes us. This salvation that he purchased for us changes everything. It changes it for us. It changes it in us and it, it's required of us to tell others about it so they themselves can be changed. And it is revolutionary to receive him because we've also received his status and his security. We're with him. When we've received him, we're now with him. And all the, the authority that he has, he begins sharing with us and inviting us into his purpose and plan. While we were all dead in our sin, all of us, he made us alive together with him and seated us with him in heavenly places. There's no pecking order here. And that's revolutionary. Your salvation in Christ Jesus is every bit as important in the kingdom as a leader, as mine, as Curtis's, as the Pope. It doesn't matter. We're all with him if we're in Christ Jesus. And the very thing that people want to rail against in order to give us on equal footing is what Jesus did in his own sacrifice for us. He is the one that reconciled us to God and is calling us, as James said eloquently three weeks ago or two weeks ago, something like that, that we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. That's revolutionary. 
There are no second-class citizens in his kingdom. There's no second-class citizen. There's always equal status in his family. And it should change the way we see each other and the way we treat each other. Maybe even wash each other's feet. Certainly submit to one another. That's why Paul urges just a couple of chapters later after they're in Ephesians 2 that we are in Ephesians 4.1 to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. With all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. You know, as students of the master, which is what we've been talking about for a few weeks, we are called to reject the me first, I want what I want mentality. We are called to crucify that kind of thinking in our lives. And we're called to die to our stubborn pride that drives us to demand our own way, to want it the way we want it. When we, when we hold Jesus in his proper place as savior and king, it requires that we submit to him and then therefore submit one to another. Not seeking our own interests, but washing each other's feet and choosing to prefer each other, bearing with one another in love. It truly is out of this world. It is so different than what the culture around us gives itself to. So, simple enough, right? Let's just go do it. Well, not so fast. Truth is, it's impossible to do this apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. If the Holy Spirit doesn't fill us, none of this is possible. If we could have done it on our own without the work of the Spirit, I think some of us would have tried. Some of us did try. But it's not possible apart from what he does in us. And Paul refers to that, that three verses earlier, that it takes the Holy Spirit for any of this to be possible. And it's almost in just like a throwaway line here, here in Ephesians 5, uh, verse 15 through 21. He, it's almost a throwaway line. He says it in verse 18. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, which is a word not many of us use on a regular basis. But there's plenty of it around us, right? Yeah. But, here's the phrase, but be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, there's so much I could address here around wine drinking and debauchery and filling with the Spirit and all that. I don't want to get bogged into that. Let's just continue. Verse 19. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. If we uncouple verse 21 from verse 18, it sends us in the wrong direction. I believe these are together for a purpose. The impetus for fulfilling each of these exhortations is the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is required for any of this to take place. So addressing one another can only be done by the Holy Spirit. And singing and making melody to the Lord is only done by the Holy Spirit. And giving thanks to God always and for everything is definitely only done by the Holy Spirit. And likewise, submitting to one another 
is only done by the Holy Spirit. We need the Spirit. We can't do it apart from what the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, poured out upon us to be dwelling in us, does for us in order for this to be possible. We need the Holy Spirit. Our greatest need as students of the Master is fullness of His Spirit, is a, an immersion in what the Spirit is doing and how he is empowering us and changing us and revealing himself to us, leading us into all wisdom and truth, directing our steps, speaking to us each step of the way. It takes the Holy Spirit for us to be effective students of the master. There's no other way to do it. The only way possible is by his spirit. It's what we must continually pray for, both individually and corporately as a church family. So that when we see Jesus washing these grimy feet of these disciples of his, one who will deny him just a few hours later, three times, the one that had bragged about all that he was gonna do and how he'd go to the death for him. But just a few hours later, he would say, I don't even know him, cussing like a sailor. And one set of feet, of the very one who betrayed him, who took from the religious leaders 30 pieces of silver to turn him over to them. He's sitting there too. And Jesus washes his feet too. If we're going to be with Jesus, if we're gonna be like him and do what he did, it's gonna take the Holy Spirit. His example is before us. And because we are his disciples who've been with him, by his grace becoming like him, we will also by his spirit do what he did. It's time to wash some feet. We need to submit ourselves one to another. We need to humble ourselves. We need to do what Jesus did. Amen. You ready? My wife is going to come. We like to do this at the end of my time of speaking and, uh, and share with you whatever revelation that God has given to her and then allow us to pray for you as a community. I read an article earlier this week by Daniel Darling. Uh, he's a pastor in Tennessee. I don't know much about him, but he, he wrote this around submitting one to another. And he calls this life of submission to others as self-forgetfulness, yeah. which I really like that word. He says, submitting to each other, setting aside our preferences and comforts should be an outflow of the spirit that is working his love through our hearts. Worship and sacrifice always go together in ways that make putting others first more reflex than rigor. Wow, I want to get there. Yeah, me too. I want to get there where it is more habitual and natural, supernatural, than work and effort on my part yeah, to let the love too. and grace flow out. 
And then he says, meditating on God makes you grateful for his good gifts and allows you to hold what you have loosely in order to freely give it to those around you. This is really what submission is, putting others first because you love the Lord and have received his love. Right, right. So my prayer for us is just that we, we get better at practicing this. <laughs> this becomes more natural to us and begins to be the flavor of who we are. Yes. And we can practice it first right here amongst ourselves. Yes. Submitting to one another starts with the person right next to you, and then it's part of your small group, and then it's your neighbors, and then it's people you want to see their feet washed. You want to see them clean in the Lord. Yes. So. Amen. Let's together pray. Go ahead, babe. Father, thank you for your clear and convicting word that out of the ministry of the Holy Spirit, we can indeed give thanks. We can address each other. We can worship you and we can submit. Out of our worship of you, that's where the submission comes from. If we love you, we will love each other. That's right. And we will learn what that love should look like. Yes, Jesus. We want to define it and explain it and set the boundaries around it. And none of that is our job. All of that comes from you. So I pray, Father, that you would write this word on our hearts where we can't weasel out from it, where we can't pretend it's something less than what it is that you will write this word on us and mark us with this, that we would become faithful servants of the Master, that we would indeed receive your gift of the Holy Spirit so that we can express the same love that Jesus expressed. Yes, Jesus. So that we can get in step with what you're doing and how you're loving the person next to us. We want to be useful and effective but mostly we want to be yours. Thank you for giving us your life, for writing your love in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Yes, Lord. Jesus, there is something beautiful and scandalous at the same time about the way you loved us and came not for us to serve you, but for you to serve us. That doesn't make sense to us. When we see you as you really are, you're worthy of all honor and praise, glory and strength. It it all belongs to you. And yet you willingly laid aside all privilege and condescended down to take on the form of a servant, not subtracting anything from who you were, but adding on servanthood that we could receive you, that we could see you, we could see God because when we see Jesus, we see the Father. And then you modeled this kind of life by washing your disciples' feet and 
And as a group of disciples sitting here, I can only imagine what that would feel like if you walked in this room right now and started washing our feet. What would that do in us? How would that shift us? What would that make us think? Would we look at those that hate us differently? Would we look at those that are opposed to what we believe? Would we look at them differently? Would we see our enemies differently? Would we see our friends differently? You said that you did that and that we as your followers, as your disciples, as your students were to do it as well. I pray, Lord, that you will put in us an increased desire and ability, capacity, Lord, by your Holy Spirit to walk these things out and to be a different kind of person, different kind of couple, different kind of families, different kind of small groups, different kinds of, different kind of church. Lord, fill us with your spirit and help us obey that we can show that we truly love you because we are doing what you did. We're becoming like you are because we spend enough time with you in an increasing amount of time that we're being changed from glory to glory. Lord, I pray for our church community that we would be that kind of people in this community. In Gwinnett County, here in Lawrenceville, wherever we might live in our neighborhoods and workplaces and schools and and our supermarkets and parks and everywhere we go, Lord, we'd be looking for where we can wash someone's feet, where we can even submit ourselves to the purpose and will of God, even to one another in order to witness that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Help us, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.